is Changeling the Podcast. Welcome to Changeling the Podcast, the podcast about the game, role-playing game Changeling the Dreaming. I'm your host, Josh, and with us is Puka. Say hi, Puka. Hello. And also with us is a very special guest, Ian Lemke, developer, writer for many games, including lots of Changeling the Dreaming. So, hi, Ian. Hi. Nice to be here. Welcome. Thank you. So, Yes. We come prepared with questions. All right. Yeah. So, Ian, um, what's your background in our in role playing games, and how did you get started at White Wolf? Um, I had no background. I mean, I well, it depends what you mean by the background. When, when I first, I mean, I started playing role playing games when I was seven uh, with D anD. d They just moved past the little white box uh, when I started playing. Um, it was the first uh, blue first blue box. Um, so yeah, I've been playing for a while. Uh, I owned a game shop for a while. Um, so, you know, obviously I was Ooh. very much into games. Um, and it was shortly after uh, I, the game shop ended up closing uh, that I decided, well, me and a friend decided we wanted to run a LARP because uh, I went to a uh, Shadowrun LARP that some friends ran at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. Uh, and, it, and I just, I fell in love with the whole concept. And we, we just decided we wanted to do this. Uh, and Vampire of the Masquerade had just come out. And we were like, this would make the perfect LARP setting. You know, what just seems like it's built for, for a LARP. And uh, so we, we, we just dove in and having no idea what we were doing, uh, created our own, uh, our own system for it and everything. And uh, you know, started advertising it. We decided to do like this mini, conven- mini vampire convention and, uh, and LARP. uh it you know i don't know how we managed to pull it off uh both of us were barely employed at the time i mean we both worked at a movie theater (laughs) that happens um but but somehow managed to pull this thing together and it was getting fairly close to when uh, the thing was going to be happening and i was like you know we we should invite the white wolf people and my partner mark mike was like "Eh, they're not gonna come and i was like okay well whatever so i sent them a letter didn't hear anything back. And I was like, what the heck? I'll just call. Um, <laughs> so I called them, got Wes Harris on the phone. He's like, oh, yeah, I bet to get back to you. We really want to come up. Uh, this was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, I was like, really? That's awesome. I mean, I was hoping maybe they'd send us some books to give away as prizes or something, you know. But yeah, a bunch of them uh, got a van and came up to our little vampire LARP convention. You have to understand this is before Masquerade was anything at all. Mm-hmm. The Camarilla, I think, had just started. Like sort, of, they were, but they weren't. They were in their like proto days. They were talking about it, and uh, yeah, uh, they kept. They really liked what we did. Um, and next thing we knew, we were uh, invited down to Atlanta to work on the Masquerade. Um, Oh wow! Was so was there like I, I'm I I got into White Wolf through LARPing myself. Right. So how did the um was there like uh, so there was your group was there like a whole bunch of independent LARPers of Masquerade? 
basically there was a design team initially about 12 of us i guess mm-hmm. um you know mark reinhagen of course and 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 a bunch of other folks and myself and mike were, were invited to be part of that and we had like a little conference on it uh over the weekend uh we stayed at a, at a hotel and just basically spent the whole day spewing out ideas on how to make this larp mark already seemed to have a pretty solid idea of what he wanted to do but uh, oh okay so there wasn't like established little pockets of games ongoing or something no 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 no, no. no. okay no 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 we had just I, I mean i think we were some of the first people to run a vampire larp in the country so, okay uh, like i said the camarilla was just getting started uh but they were doing their own thing and they were just at that point there were no rules for masquerade or anything they were just using dice you know, mm, okay. um sort of doing it as a social club but uh so, yeah. so you were sort of ground zero for mine's what became mine's eye theater yep ground zero for mine's eye theater um, <laughs> I remember even when we were talking about doing the uh, the traits and such, we were all like just throwing out words and we put them up on a board and everything, <laughs> then throwing out the ones we let, didn't like, and and then we uh, then we then Mark, I guess it was the Saturday night, ran a uh, a little arc for us to use the proto rules we'd come up with over the weekend. So yeah, that was how I got uh, involved with White Wolf. And then Mike and I both wrote for it, and then we were asked to develop it. Um, and we also ran a number of play tests at various conventions and such. Didn't use our rules anymore. Just started using the uh, the White Wolf rules. And uh, yeah, and then yeah, then, then we were asked to develop it, and then came on board. Uh, we, <laughs> they actually only really had enough money at the time to hire one of us, um, so we we agreed to basically split a salary, which was probably about as good as our our movie theater salaries. <laughs> Um, not really, but, uh, uh, but yeah, we did that for a while, but you know, we, we both uh, quickly went to full time. Um, not long after being there, I mean, Mike started working on street fighter and I of course went on to start working on changeling the dreaming because I mean, I, I was in love with the concept of changeling, which was of course originally called fairy yeah. when the, the, the first ad in the back of one of the, the, uh, I guess it was in white wolf magazine where I first saw it. Were you, yeah, we, we've been trying to piece together from yeah. the very early books, sort of where fairy, there was the, yeah, the Ars Magic influence, but like, so you were like very early on, or actually maybe Puka, I think you could phrase this better. Where I'm going with this. I, I'll try. Um, well, I suppose, you know, as someone who, who didn't get into World of Darkness through LARPing, I'm curious about how that transition happened, how you ended up becoming the developer for you know was was it already called changeling by the time you were assigned to it or was it still fairy i think it was in transition okay i remember talk we were running a vet one of the uh one of the sort of play test uh vampire larps uh, or a yeah, masquerade larps at um origins i think was the first time i talked to mark about it um and I said, yeah i saw this ad for this thing yeah, fairy i would love to work on that <laughs> if <laughs> if there's any opportunity and even at that point, I didn't, I didn't think that would really even be a possibility. We weren't actually, we were just still freelance writing yeah, for Masquerade yeah, yeah. at that point. And, uh, but then, you know, once I came on board with White Wolf, you know, of course, pretty much every other day I was in uh, Mark's office, like, okay, what are we doing with Ferry? What's going on? Hmm. Can I work on this? <laughs> okay. But there had been, had there been groundwork done on it before you came in if there was ads and whatnot or? only in the vaguest sense i mean again mark always had uh, you know for any of the new things you know sort of had an idea of what he wanted to do in certain ways 
I, I mean, but, but I was there pretty much from the beginning, not to say that every decision that was made about the game was mine uh, at all. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a group effort. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was very much a group effort. Were there any concepts that didn't end up making it into the game that, you know, I mean, sure. Uh, we, I mean, we went around on how to do some of my original ideas that, that I that did not happen. Um, I I wanted to do things probably, I guess, a little bit more like The Lost in that I didn't really mm. want to have um, kiths. I, I, I wanted you to sort of build your own your own fairy, mm. you know, like there would be certain powers and such. And then maybe my idea was more like to have the houses and you'd be a member of a house, but but your actual abilities and things like that sort of created your own fairy from different concepts. We ended up going with Kiss because they really wanted to keep things in line with the other, uh, the other sure. lines in War of Darkness, mm-hmm. which I thought was a little rigid, but, you know, that's, that's the way we ended up going. Do, do you know um, how it when I'm looking at the other things talking about the fairies, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed like the concept of playing changelings sort of emerged a bit later. And at one point it almost like, in, if you read, I don't know how much the different books were based on what was coming, like how the whole information transfer. Oh, they had no idea. They were just making no, stuff. No one had any idea what, yeah, they're just making stuff up. I mean, and, uh, and, okay. and, and we, I mean, in the, especially in the early ones, I mean, there was no real idea of what, what, I don't even know. I I honestly do not know if they originally, I don't think they originally thought they were going to have five games. I think, you know, Vampire was sort of the thing. And mm-hmm. once that did well, I think somewhere in there, we came across the idea of doing all these other other lines. I But I really don't know the story behind that. Um, well, yeah, because you started a bit late for Vampire. It's not like you started with Vampire when, before Vampire came out or anything. No, yeah. not, not at all. Um, they, not, not even with Werewolf or Mage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it evolved and there were a lot of things that were written about, you know, about fairies, changelings in the early books that we just sort of had to either hand wave or, or you know, sometimes we tried to make it fit, you know, mm-hmm. if we could. The World of Darkness, the sort of, the, it was, it was as much a des- design decision as out of necessity that each line had its own perspective. And so it was considered that, you know, just because it said something in a vampire book about changelings, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. Oh yeah. <laughs> there could be ideas that, that was just curious. Where that, sure. Yeah. Cause like in the Wraith book, which wasn't that long before, there must've been a lot some development right. overlap there. It's talking about the fairies there. And it almost seemed like it sounded very much like changeling the lost with you playing changelings and fairies coming after you kind of thing potentially but i don't know if that was a concept or i don't remember that okay so then i've just whoever wrote that part just i'm just i'm just trying to I, i'm curious about that now because i i don't remember that particular aspect of it, yeah but... that might be me reading between the lines a little bit but yeah it it sort of seems like hmm this looks this sounds almost like lost <laughs> right it's also the kind of thing where it seems as though as it got closer and closer to Changeling's actual release date. The ideas started to percolate into the other books and became a little bit, you know, bit by bit closer to the thing that actually arrived. Well, yeah, because we still, I mean, like I said, by the time I came on board with it, there were some ideas of what, you know, at least the basic concepts of what what this game was going to be. Um, But yeah, so, so those were certainly, 
you know, sort of bled out into the other games as they were written. Mm-hmm. I am really curious about what you're talking about that that section with Wraith. I, I, yeah, I, I'd have to pull out the love to read that because I yeah, it's in the first edition Wraith core. It's got a little half page on the fairies or whatever. Okay, I could probably find that. I, I have my first edition Wraith around here. Yeah, we've been trying to do sort of archaeology with piecing it all together. So that's a that's a project. It I is. <laughs> Well, we thought we'd do everything in chronological order, so we started with Ars Magica. Right, <laughs> right. Not not in detail, but just... I mean, I think Ars Magica is the basis for all of it in some ways, right? But but at the same yeah. time, I mean, vamp- you could sort of consider Vampire a reboot. You know, the, the Ars Magica stuff is, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, maybe sort of it, some of it's the same, but some of it isn't, you know? Um, yeah. It's like they brought in the Tremere, but they didn't. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's a lot that's that's different. So I think the best way to look at it is, is World of Darkness is a reboot. <laughs> Kept some things. Well, in light of that, um, with Changeling, I guess in terms of themes and moods, you know, because people often make these sort of assertions and say things like, oh, Changeling's not dark enough for the World yeah. of Darkness. But we've certainly discussed here, you know, how it certainly can be. But beyond that, what did you feel changeling as a game brought to that universe in terms of its themes and its ideas like what new space did it kind of push into so the first thing i i I like to say to that is if you read changeling the raw text without looking at the art you you get a very different perspective of what Mm -hmm. the game's about and what it's like It, it comes off a lot darker especially if you go back and read some of the books like the dante book which was one of the first the autumn people. Autumn people. Autumn people. Yes, the the, the autumn people book and such. Uh, that it it's a pretty dark game in a lot of ways because it's about hope being crushed. Now that said, it, it definitely has an element of hope about it that that the other game that, that a lot of the War of Darkness lines don't. Except for maybe Mage. I mean, Mage has infinite possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could it could go anywhere. But I, I definitely wanted it to, and we all did, wanted to have a little bit more of a sense of adventure, something a little bit more that you can, you know, that, that fantasy sense of things, uh, you know, where you can go off on adventures and, and have a quest and do all of those things. But at the same time, I mean, it, it takes a little bit, I guess, I guess from uh, Arthurian in that sense of that, you know, mm. you have the heyday of, of Camelot, but then everything, you know, the magic starts to fade and, and that happens with everything, every changeling. And that's the thing that's staring every changeling in the face is they've only got so long to, to burn <laughs> um, and, and yeah, then eventually yeah, yeah. they'll burn out and all, everything they were will be gone and yet they'll still be there. And that's that's horrifying if you think about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Can you imagine having a friend who? I mean, I mean, and and it, and it, it it is very much came to be a reflection of real life in certain ways too. I mean, I've always said Changeling is a game about gamers, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and you have your friends that you grew up with that you played D anD D or or World of Darkness with or whatever role playing games. You did this, you did that, and then they go off and they get. Uh, you know, the, the mind numbing job that, that grinds them down and they have three kids and so on and so forth. And suddenly they're gone. And that friend is still there. You know, you, that, that friend is still out there, but suddenly you don't, you can't relate to them on the same level because they're not doing the same things you are. 
assuming you are continuing to do that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, it, it has that aspect of it and, and that sadness. So I, I mean, rather than, than being, you know, dark and grim, I would say that Changeling is more, can be more sad. And um, yeah. Yeah. That whole aspect of, of that theme and whatnot. Do you know where that came from? I mean, it might not. Is that Arthurian myth for me? Um, was yeah. a lot of what I saw with it. Um, because, you know, like I said, you have the heyday, you know, Camelot's at its full and then, then Arthur, you know, becomes wasted away and, and the knights start turning bad and, and darkness starts taking over the land and the magic is, is fading away. And so they have to go on the quest for the Holy Grail to bring back the magic. Um, that's still a bit of a leap from that point to say banality, right? Is it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I'm not saying it's a. I'm not saying no. I, I, it makes sense. I just, I, I right. I'm, I'm saying somebody did. That, that, I'm trying to give credit there. Like it seems not obvious. I guess that's how mm-hmm. I envisioned it. That that was my, you know, when I was working on this thing. I mean, and if you, of course, if you look at a lot of the core story of Changeling, it's it's straight mm-hmm. up, you know, King Arthur. Yeah. Um, okay. With King David. And I, I think there was um, a little bit of werewolf that crept into it as well. Changelings being creatures of nature and such that, you know, banality sort of, uh, and, and the, the idea of banality has shifted so much over time. And, and, and I give credit to a lot of the people who worked on Changeling 20, honestly, and taking it to, I think, you know, a better level in some ways and explaining mm-hmm. it better than, because I mean, early on, we were figuring out what it meant ourselves. And sometimes I'll say I made mistakes with it, I think. But because science can be glamorous, there can be glamour in science. It, it depends on how it's used and, and, and what you're doing with it and, and what, the, what its purpose is. I can think of a few people who will cheer when they hear you say that. Yes. So. Well, again, I, I think Changeling 20 brought that out yeah. uh, you know, very clearly. Yeah. It, was the, yeah, it was definitely there. Like the knocker, if you read the... In first edition, right. the knockers definitely embodied like technology as the wonder in technology too. But and and I think that that was always intended. It just we didn't explain it well enough. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know I, we would just say science and thinking in our own heads. You know, pharmaceutical companies or something mm-hmm. where or or you know oil companies and and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. When that's not really, but but there's other things. I mean, the, it was the moonshot. It was landing on the moon, yeah. which is of course it, it involves a lot of technology that reopen the trods so (laughs) and it's it's not like yeah anybody working in it back then in the early 90s or mid 90s and white wolf would probably had like a phd in science and was doing research on the side or something right like it's (laughs) well i knew a lot of people who did though (laughs) yeah yeah but but again though that that research science can be can be incredibly banal depending oh, yes. on the nature of it. I mean, it can just be running spreadsheets day after day after day after day. Or and funding applications. Funding <laughs> applications. Exactly, in that aspect of it. Things that can just destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've seen it destroy people. Uh, you know, they go into science. <laughs> you can almost use it as an analogy for a changeling in a way, in that they go into science thinking, I'm going to make these great discoveries and do the, and you know do these cool things. And and then the reality is that they spend all their days pouring over spreadsheets and, and filing for funding and, and all the, those minutia, which is nothing of what they thought science was going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to jump in with another question. If, Please do. If that's cool. <laughs> um so you had mentioned that there were, you know, there were a bunch of people involved 
who else would you say was kind of like, I guess, who was your team in terms of assembling the game and bringing it to fruition? I mean, I think the core team was myself, uh, uh, Mark Reinhagen and Sam Chupp. Hmm. Um, Sam had a lot of influence over it too. Um, came up with a lot of cool stuff. Uh, th- those were sort of the, the three of us that were working on it every day. Hmm. Uh, certainly everybody in the office probably contributed some way, somewhere, or somehow at some point or another. Uh, but, but th- those were the three of us who were really working on it, um, from day one. And then as developer, because not being in the industry, I'm somewhat unclear on exactly what that entails all the time. Did you kind of have a plan for the direction you wanted the game to go in? Or was it more just people brought ideas and you said, cool? Well, okay. Um, Developer can mean a lot of different things. Um, I was one of the designers. Um, As one of the designers, it was all of us. And Mark clearly at that point was the lead on it and that you know in the end what he said went no matter Mm. what we you know if we wanted something different changeling cards (laughs) that (laughs) is that is the tough question on my list um i i i was against those things from day one i did not want to have cards needed to play the game I, I mean, I, I cannot tell you how much I was against having the cards. Was it purely just because that was the craze and people thought? It was purely the craze. Yeah. It was insisted that we, we absolutely had to have cards be part of the game. And I admit I probably sabotaged it in some ways in that the cards probably could have been better incorporated and been more of a game within the game, but I absolutely did not want that for a couple of reasons. One, it didn't, it, you know, it, it went against meshing with the rest of the world of darkness. Hmm. So if changelings need cards to play their, to, to play the game, how does that fit with everybody else? You know, yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody else, is, if you're playing a mixed group or whatnot, I didn't feel it would work well for crossover play Two, If you want to play a game of changeling and you're over at your friend's house and it's like, Hey, let's play changeling. And you happen to have your book, but you know, you don't have these cards that you specifically need for the game. Then your friend needs to get the cards too. You can't just play. And I wanted, and something that's important to me with any role playing game is that you'd be able to just play. When I was a kid, some of the most memorable sessions I have are when I was at camp and we had almost nothing, you know, but a couple of books or even in the backseat of a friend's car, you know, when their parents were driving us somewhere or, you know, at a convention or whatever. You, but you don't always have these. I, I did not want something that, that limited your ability to play. Mm-hmm. So I kept cutting back what they did. <laughs> so, um, so you're also behind because the, the, it there's optional rules in oh, the yeah. oh, I, book I, I, on using dice, not cards. Those were 100% so that... mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because like, so I started with second edition. And then when I went back and started collecting first edition books, and they kept saying things like, draw a bunk card. I'm like, what? what does that even mean? Because the cards were long gone by the time I started. So Exactly. And that's exactly why I didn't want there to be cards because, it, you know, you'd, you'd have to keep printing them. What if we ended up stop print, you're not printing them anymore? You yeah. know, it, it, there, I just saw so many problems with making them an integral part of the game. Yeah. And that seems like the key thing because the action of having cards and playing cards, you know, as part of the game does seem fun in principle, but making it necessary seems like too much. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. For some people, it was fun to you know draw a bunk 
and have to do what's on the card. But mm-hmm. I also felt that it was very limiting too, because you're going to be limited by what you have in of monk cards, right? You know, mm-hmm. where I really like the idea of people being able to come up with their own <laughs> and do something yep. on their own. Uh, the hard challenge, like I think C20 did a pretty good job of this, but bunks as a concept, like I can see how it makes sense from the cards, right? Right. But when you're coming up with the bunk yourself, that don't, Depending on the player's mindset, that can be tricky, I think. Right. And it, it, I mean, in, in a way, you can almost look at, at second edition as a transition. We, you know, it, it allowed me to transition completely away from cards, but some of the concepts were kind of hard baked in at that point. Yeah. So, you know, I couldn't step it too far away from whatever. Mm-hmm. Ch- Changeling Tunny, because of the time distance and, and the way it was done, sort of allowed, allowed them to, you know, do that a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it sort of became mage focus rules, really. Yeah, almost, yeah. So did you have any hand in the um, Shining Host LARP nope. creation? No, okay. So almost just, nothing. Because I know you came in with the LARP end. Pete Woodworth would be the one to talk to about that. Yeah, I just wasn't sure who was, if there was other discussions or what. Because yeah, Pete's some of the... Awesome guy. And we, we work together mm-hmm. a lot now. But... <laughs> okay. Pete Woodworth, if you're listening. Say like Pete Woodworth... If you're listening, we would love to. <laughs> exactly. You're on the list, Pete. So um, with second edition, were there things you knew you wanted to add, remove, or change? Sort of, uh, or anything that pops to mind? Besides the cards. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, two things were, of course, changing cards, but we already discussed that. Uh, I, the, uh, the, the, the calling upon the weird and that aspect of things, of being able to manifest fully as a changeling in the real world, uh, like, a, you know, like everybody else in the world darkness could do. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we didn't have that really at all in, in first edition. And again, again, Changeling 20s made that even better because it was sort of a tack on rule almost with second edition. But I think it, it made the game feel more connected to reality. You know, when, when you could show up at, you know, especially if you're playing a, a, a game with like multiple types of characters, werewolves, vampires, or whatever, the same group, being able to like just bust out and, you know, show up in your fairy armor with your blazing sword and, you know, and your chimera at your side, it mm-hmm. made it feel better to me. <laughs> you, know? you, you didn't just look like, like some dude who's tagging along with the, the mage and the werewolf. But yeah, th- I think those are the two major, major changes between first mm-hmm. and second. There's certainly a lot of small ones, but yeah, those, those are two that stand out. Oh, sure. There was also, when we were doing our um, sort of deep dive into the first edition core book, I think halfway through recording the episode, I kind of realized, I don't think the Fomorians are mentioned once in the entirety of the core book. And I wonder, how did that piece of the meta plot start getting worked in? I will admit that was a hand wave um, because the Fomorians were so tied in with werewolves. Right. Yeah. We just didn't want to go there because... Uh, of course, in fairy mythology, the Formorians are very closely tied in mm-hmm. as well. And I remember Bill and I talking about this for quite a while, and we had different ways of maybe stretching it and making it work and, and everything. But in the end, it just felt better to just not <laughs> not go there and not paint us ourselves into some corner. Yeah, again, that's the, the hazards of a game, you know, a, a setting like World of Darkness where you have five major factions that are very different. You know, had we been designing them all at the same time, I probably, you know, would have been said, hey, hey, no, don't touch the Fomorians, they're ours. Or, you know, from the beginning, create a joint 
you know, a, a joint connection between, you know, werewolf and changeling with them. They were just so different than werewolf. Yeah, they did end up showing up later, though, but not the Fomori. Like, they, there was, like, this distinction now. Right. Later in Changeling. I'm trying to... Is that... You gotta remember a lot of this is 25 years ago. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Just... But we don't know what you remember if you don't, we don't ask. I'm so currently that's... developing three different games. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, do you mean, like... Uh, there was the werewolf Fomori, right? Right. As sort of the, you know, possessed by the worm kind of people, right. Right? right? And then later, not in the... Certainly... I don't know when it, do you remember Puka when it first showed up? Or well, so the first edition core book for Changeling does have the Fomori as a possible antagonist and they are presented right. as like, oh, we know the werewolves deal with them, but then. Right. It, we just left it very vague. <laughs> yeah. But then having the Fomorians appear later on. I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. We did, didn't we? I think we did, we made them something completely different almost. Yeah. Cre- things of the dreaming still just. Right. Elder Dark or something. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I, I'll i be honest here. My, my memory yep. is, is hazy. <laughs> exactly what all went on there. I, If I were to guess, it was pretty much as I said, that they kind of hand-waved the, the Fomori and were like, yeah, they're over here. Uh, <laughs> they do things. And then eventually came decided we really wanted to have Fomorians. So, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of assume that they're different things that, that have very similar names. That's a guess, though. And the Tuatha, for that matter. I mean, the Tuatha were also not in the first core book that I could Well, tell. the Tuatha are really, I mean, the, the, the she, I mean. Yeah, yeah. but as a, as a separate, you know, ancestral oh. group. They're, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, they're canonically, the, the she are just the Tuatha. Wait, is, is there is there a debate about this? Oh, this is something oh, <laughs> <laughs> that I step into something. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's my impression was that the Tuatha were presented as kind of like the parents of the she in particular. I mean, the parents of all Fae, but the she are like you are you know, the firstborn chosen, yes, but the she are they're basically descendant of the same thing. Dealing with twenty five year old memories here. <laughs> it's the mists. The mists come for us all. Yes, <laughs> different mists. I'm still 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 active, but yeah. To best of my to my recollection, the, the, the Tuatha Dé Danann and then the, the, the she were, were descendant of them. Boy, you guys are getting this, into some deep lore questions here on me. Um, I'll, I'll be I'll be better prepared next time. <laughs> it's no. purely by act. Well, no, we don't. Yeah, we're not trying to be comic book guy here. It's, it's no, just... it's totally fine. I, totally fine. Um, this is making bringing memories back. I'd have to go back and even read what I wrote at, at this point, but uh, as I recall, it's the Tuatha Danann and then the Shi are, are descendant of them. And as you said, that they're essentially their parents, but they are of the same species. I don't know, whatever you want, to, the same line. Mm. Groovy. Maybe we should leave the lore questions to one side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feel free to ask; I'll do my best. But if they're if they're really deep ones like that, I, you know, who knows? <laughs> well, I, I do have a, a more sort of outside the game question, which is that I mean, I guess in the late '90s, as as second edition was kind of coming to fruition, how did I guess the changes in the gaming industry, the publishing industry? Other folks have said that that kind of put the squeeze on many companies, including White Wolf. How did that impact Changeling? Because eventually there was the move to art house and everything. But yeah, what was that? Uh, it had a lot of impact. Um, I mean, you had two things coming in on tabletop role playing games at that time, and, and the big one was was card games. Uh, mm-hmm. At first, you know, Magic the Gathering, and then um, you know everything else that followed. 
Vampire, the Eternal Struggle, etc. Rage. Don't get me started. I'm not going to go down that dark hole. Um, okay. But, but uh, there were those those aspects. Um, but, but I'm saying from the outside, like just taking away from the uh, role-playing game market, um, people mm-hmm. who, the new kids coming up who would have likely played role-playing games were playing Magic instead and, and wouldn't even touch a role-playing game often or maybe played one instead of playing multiple ones like and then computer games too. I mean that that was starting to to take its 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 wedge out of it. And I mean, and I think overall the the, the industry was withering for a long time after that, and then it's had this resurgence. I mean, partly I, I think it was coming back even before D anD D fifth. Yeah, it just seemed to be more interest. I think people were tired of playing computer games, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and wanted that face to face interaction some more. But yeah, I had those two things. And uh, and then with White Wolf itself, uh, I will say in the, I'm not going to get into the gruesome details, but uh, within the card industry, mistakes were made mm-hmm. and large sums of money were lost. We, you know, we, we went through multiple rounds of layoffs at that point, um, which was unfortunate, which hurt us all. I mean, it hurt morale. It, it just, it just overall hurt us. And then uh, before going to Art House even, um, there was the great debate about Changeling going to black and white because you know all the books right. had been full color up to that point. And I was told basically, if we want to keep printing them, we have to go to black and white, which was kind of a gut punch for me because I, I, I knew that a lot of people at that time were not going to take that well because, you know, <laughs> going from color, you know, if you go from black and white to color, people love it. But if you go from color to black and white, there's going to be some yeah, yeah, yeah. hue and cry. And yeah, it's not like the vampire wraith where always kind of worked to be in black and white right it didn't really hurt it to be black and white um but changeling kind of really needed to be color i felt i was uh i mean honestly i got after about around year five there i I, i'd gone through a lot with the company and in the industry and got kind of burned out um i I remember having a a conversation with my my father around the time i said i love what i'm doing but i don't know if i can keep doing it forever (laughs) and and, and I'm gonna have to get fired first. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna leave. You know? but, and uh, well, I didn't get yeah. fired, but you know, I third round of layoffs. <laughs> there I went because you know they were just cutting everything back. And then then art house was happening, and I I was actually offered to freelance do a lot of the art house stuff. And in retrospect, I w- really wish I had. At the time, I was hurting too much, and I couldn't do it. I just felt betrayed on a number of levels and, and just, just couldn't really couldn't do it. And it took me about 10 years to come back into the industry. So what's, you don't have to get into details of art, but like what sort of things did you do after? <laughs> what didn't I do? Yeah, okay. Um, I was a loan officer for a while. I uh, started my own business for a while. I, I did a lot of just mundane stuff um for for a good while i was in you know uh, i was right right around the uh the uh, 99 so i i uh i went into it uh during the the uh you know y2k oh boom. perfect time oh it's perfect yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah i did that for a while you know i just bounced around to a lot of different things and until i was at a uh at a birthday party with some friends and and one of uh one of my friends who so I, I ran a fantasy larp for a about 10 years too that that overlapped with my time at white wolf and then afterwards <clears throat> yeah, uh which i may have borrowed a little bit of changeling stuff for but <laughs> but uh yeah the, uh, 
he he had just uh, gotten hired as the creative director for a, uh, a computer game, this, this new computer, this indie MMO that was being worked on. We just got to talking. I was like, oh, I'd be interested in that. And next thing you know, I was moving to Raleigh, North Carolina to work in the computer game industry, which I did for about 10 years. And then realized that that got me back in enough that I realized that this making computer games wasn't what I really loved. I really loved making role-playing games and I wanted to give it a go, you know, see if I could get back into it. And so I did. Here I am. <laughs> Huzzah. Awesome. I mean, it helped having a little bit of a name still in the industry. I was actually surprised. Like, I went to Gen Con to basically try and get some work you know, and go around everybody. I was actually shocked at how many people knew who I was still all those years later. So, But it was kind of nice being welcomed back like that. Right on. Yeah. You've sort of been happy to see renewed interest in the game with the 20th anniversary Oh yeah, I, I I I did work on on I I wrote for it. I actually got to do some writing for it that I, you know was a little scary, um, and and some that was really fun because I didn't actually write any of the kits. And I mean, I came up with like sketch outlines for them. Uh, you know, I'd be like, okay, they're this. These are what they're called. These are roughly what their powers are. Blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> and then someone other people actually wrote them. Um, for the kits, uh, and I actually got to write a number of the kits. I also did the the Nunahe section, which was terrifying to me. Yeah, because I'm not Native American, and I felt a little weird doing it. But I did the best I could. I tried to give it as much respect as I could. So, out of all of the things that you feel directly responsible for creating over any of the editions, what are the ones that? I mean, you mentioned calling upon the weird. Are there anything else, particularly in 20th anniversary, that stand out as you know, you're really proud of. I was not involved with a lot of the rules section of of, of 20th anniversary. Unfortunately, uh, I sort of came in a little late because they had already sort of gotten the ball rolling on it when when I sort of got back into the industry. The timing mm-hmm. just worked out that I could be involved with it at all. I think the team did some really amazing stuff, like particularly, like I said, just explaining banality, um, a lot the way the arts and the arts and realms and, and their powers in general work. I think just it just all works a lot better. I mean, honestly, for anyone new coming to Changeling who wanted to play, I would just highly recommend Changeling Twenty. I just think that's the the way to go. Plus, it has almost everything <laughs> in it that you would want. So, you know, it's all there in one book, but I just think everything uh, comes together a lot better than previously. Um, not to disparage my own work, but, you know, <laughs> no, it's, it, yeah. you know, Im- improving upon yeah, and improve, improving upon what's there is, is very different than creating yep. it in the first place. Like I was a 25 year old kid at the time <laughs> <laughs> who'd never written a thing in his life. So I don't feel too bad for what it's worth. I still think, I mean, Changeling 20th anniversary is a beautiful, beautiful book, but the second edition core book is still, I, I would say maybe the most beautiful role-playing physical yes. book ever created. Cause it's just so. And there's a lot of heart you know, in it. The, it, it, uh, the Changeling yeah. 20 doesn't have a lot of the setting stuff in it that, you know, the, uh, all the oaths and things like that. I just, you know, I really enjoyed uh, bringing all that to life in it. I, I think, Second edition really does a good job of making you feel the world. And it's also like the first edition, like, okay, people make fun of the bunk cards or whatever, right? Like the, sure. but the, 
book itself, like, especially when you're not just focused on the rules, but just focused on, like, as a book on introducing you to this new game, and mm -hmm. it's it's very well done and very different from other role-playing books, like how it's the structure, chapter structure, the layout, how much it gets you into the mood, how it builds things up over time, so you're not... I, 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 yeah, both of us were just astounded reviewing, like, going back over it in depth. I don't mm -hmm. think either of us had really read it in detail like to that level before and it was just very well done so well thank you yeah <laughs> a lot of love went into it i'll tell you that i mean i I've, I've just always had a big thing for well arthurian myth and fairy myth uh it's sort of i don't know something i've always loved and uh so getting to do that uh, was wonderful i mean one of my favorite books when i was a kid was my, my dad had a copy of brian froud's uh, fairies i don't know if you've yeah. ever seen that one oh. yet and I, I yeah. just would just sit there for hours flipping through the pages. And... Were there any other uh, books or media that were direct inspirations for for the game? There are ones that I I suspect, but... Uh, War for the Oaks. That's the one that I was going to ask about. <laughs> um, War for the Oaks, which I, you know, I'd read about 10 times, uh, yeah. you know, even before I knew I was going to be working on, <laughs> on Changeling. That was probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah, it is kind of the changeling novel. Yeah, that that was. I mean, that, at I mean, there's tons of uh, you know modern fantasy fairy stuff today, but but back then that, that was that was about it. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of kind of unique at the time, and highly recommend to anyone who uh, likes that sort of thing because it really was sort of the, the the grandmother, as it were, of of, of modern fantasy. Those were you know, of course, movies. You know, um, legend, labyrinth. All those from the from the eighties and such um, were inspirations as well. Yeah, I, um, I I live in the same city as Charles Delent, where he used to. Oh wow! Yeah, sing every month. So I guess that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I heard him awesome. sing folk music once at a pub not too far from me. But... Nice. I've seen him at, at the uh, Fairy Festival in Pennsylvania, but that's that's about it. He's a he's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh... I, I can't really of course i mean you know i could say lord of the rings you know but yeah <laughs> that's the base, baseline for everything right <laughs> oh it's a role-playing game <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely lord of the rings uh but yeah it, those were probably the big ones um, so is there any newer projects doesn't have to be changeling related or whatnot newer projects or things that you're either come out recently or coming out soon that you want to talk about or bring up briefly or Sure. I mean, for a minute, I, 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 uh, I'm, well, currently the developer for the Expanse role-playing game uh, for Green Ronin. I absolutely love working for them. They're an amazing company. Um, and just the people are amazing. And, um, and the Expanse has been, I, I was a huge fan uh, from day one. I, I, when I first saw the novels, I saw the show, and then I immediately went out and got the novels and burned through them all. <laughs> and it was really exciting to get to work on that and then i also have another game which i am the designer and developer for which is talisman adventures which if you're familiar at all with the uh, old 80s board game talisman <laughs> oh very yeah. very yeah. much so friendship killer um <laughs> but uh yeah but yeah we you know, uh, made a, a role-playing game based on on that setting which was a challenge <laughs> because the, the setting is so generic. Um, I kind of leaned into that with it, made it very much a fairy tale uh, kind of kind of vibe. Um, and 
I'm currently working on my own project right now, which is called Nevermore, which is a, a game of uh, American Gothic horror. That's going to be all mine. It, I'm, and I'm excited about that because it's the first thing I've ever written, worked on that wasn't an IP, you know, already existing intellectual property or designed for someone else. Like, I mean, Changeling was its own original thing, but it was still part of World of Darkness and Mark was still really in charge. And, you know, it, it, this is the first thing that's going to be all me, everything top to bottom. So that's really exciting. Well, that's, I'll have to check that out. When... Nepenthe Games is my my new company. Um, uh, and speaking, do you have any uh, ways that people can follow you online, social media, that kind of thing? Uh, sure. Uh, Twitter, it's at the Ian Lemke, and it's the website for my company. Uh, it's Nepenthe Games. If you, it's kind. We'll make sure to get that into the show notes when yeah, we yeah, have yeah. them. <laughs> Those are the big ones. I mean, I have a, an author page on. Um, on Facebook, Ian Lemke author as well. If you want to see my gaming stuff, that's really the best place to go. Um, for, uh, but you know, pretty much everything is cross-posted between Twitter and, and the Facebook thing whenever I'm doing something new. I have one very broad final question that I'd like to ask. Sure, shoot. Which is just, if you have one piece of advice or thing that you want Changeling players to take away from the game, like if there's... I won't, I won't be so trite as to say a lesson, but an experience or just some kind of idea that you want Changeling players to have, what would it be? First off, and I say this with, with every game, make it your own and have fun. Just please have fun. Don't, don't stress about the rules. As mm -hmm. far as a takeaway from it, I think a lot of Changeling is about social constructs and how we work with and support one another. And I think that can be a big part of the game because the, you know, generally changelings have to work together to solve a problem or, or to keep each other from banality as well. So, yeah. you know, look at how your, your character, you know, how, what your character is, what links they'll go to, to help one another. And then, you know, bring that into the real world. Yeah. Something that I had mentioned when we were, when Josh and I were, uh, reading earlier is it seems like it's very hard to be like a lone changeling an independent changeling within mm -hmm. within the game you know vampires can be anarchs and mages can be their own thing but changelings really there's that theme of kinship that really holds them together it is and no matter which variety it is it, having a community is is a very big part of the game i mean the whole yeah, yeah the, the whole thing's uh built around you know there being a freehold and, and changelings hanging out together and it's the and, and the the being together is what keeps them balanced too it keeps them you yeah. know from going into bedlam or or withering away because yeah. you can go either direction if you're on your own it's very easy to you know go crazy in one in one fashion or another yeah thank you so much both for everything you did for creating changeling and for letting us interview this has been a wonderful time and i was a bit nervous but this has been amazing and I've learned so much here about your history and how it ties in the history of changeling just happy to talk about it happy to come back another time like you said when you all get further along and and you start you know get your list of questions and yeah. <laughs> more things you want to talk about i'd like Love to it. invoke the contract arc to make that happen <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, all right i won't spend a will powerpoint <laughs> So once again, this uh, thanks again, Ian. Um, this has been Changeling the podcast. 
I've been your host, Josh. And I have been Puka. And uh, hopefully this will keep you from falling that little bit longer from falling to winter. <laughs>